0: tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 76. Well, Happy New Year, you guys. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. We had such a sweet time celebrating with my parents and my brother and sister and their families over in the Seattle area. And after we got home, I kind of pulled all my Christmas gift money and I put it towards an iPad and Apple Pencil and oh, I'm having so much fun, fun using it with the Procreate app. I'm watching tutorials and I'm practicing and I'm not very good yet, but you know what? I'm enjoying the learning process. Speaking of gifts and learning new skills. Well, you guys are going to enjoy today's interview. Andy Andrew has written a new book called Friendship. It's Complicated. And we talk about so many great things. And I know you'll be inspired like I was to really cultivate friendships this year, as well as potential friendships, because God's placed them all around us. We just have to have eyes to see. Well, hey there, Andy. Welcome to The Living
1: Room. I'm so glad you joined us. Hey. I am so glad to be with you. (laughs) Uh,
0: I've admired your ministry from a distance, but just the few moments we've had to chat, I can tell. You're a Jesus girl with a Jesus heart. And I love your new book, Friendship. It's Complicated. (laughs) (laughs)
1: um yeah don't we know it i wish it wasn't i wish that i could give it another title though
0: (laughs) i know i know i love it though you talk uh, the subtitle is avoid the drama create authentic connection and fulfill your purpose together and it's just so sweet i love how you just kind of unpack a lot of stuff and and give us some exercises to walk through just to kind of drill down on what
1: friendship can be what what really
0: was kind of it spurred the whole idea of this book and the heart behind it?
1: Yeah, I think for me, uh, I don't think I ever thought I would get to a place where I could write a book like this because of how imperfect I've been in friendships mm-hmm. and relationships with other women. But I would say it was probably about five years ago when I just was walking through difficulty after difficulty uh, in my female relationships, I do pastor a church here in New York. And so that comes with its own unique, like setting, but at the same time, like being able to cultivate friendships in my late thirties. And I was like, why are they all burning Mm. to the ground. How come I'm having so many issues? What's the problem here? And I felt like as I really started to ask those questions, and honestly, one of the most devastating um, issues that I had was that my best friend of 20 plus years, Tanya, I write about her. um, We had like a friendship breakup. Now we are totally reconciled and God has been so good. But it was like, that was the kind of final straw for me to go. What do I need to do? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, hey, Andy, you are the common denominator in every relationship you're in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ouch. Yeah. So that hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So it was this moment of radical ownership where I would love to have pointed the finger at all of the issues and the other people, if you will. But what the Lord was tenderly doing was Um, asking me to own my own heart issues. And so that's kind of where it began was I started to do this deep work and understand where a lot of my issues came from when it came to relating to women. And the thing that I love about Jesus is that he takes us back to move forward. He takes us back to places and spaces so that we can heal and move forward in strength. and strengthen. Really, that's kind of the journey that this book takes people on is going there, going to those places and allowing the healer to be the one that heals us so that we can have healed relationships.
0: Oh, yeah. That is so <laughs> powerful because it's, it's crazy how we don't realize how we're carrying past pain into current relationships.
1: No, we don't. And then we have this weird expectation for people to, to heal us or meet these needs. Right. And so that's like that whole piece where we all know we do it, but it's like, we have these unspoken expectations and unmet needs and we walk into a relationship with this subconscious hope that someone else will meet that need. And maybe they'll meet some of those needs, but there's only one who can fully meet all of our needs. And that's like a lifelong process of continuously going there. Hello in marriage all all, in every way. (laughs) But I think that, yeah, that's some, that's a major thing that I continue to work on and, and learn and understand.
0: (laughs) That's so powerful. Well, you call it the woman wound.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I think
0: I think that even as I say those words, some of our (laughs) listeners are going, um yeah. Like almost like, ouch. Oh, I feel (laughs) that. Because you can't you can't live in this fallen world without being abandoned or broken or betrayed or you know, having someone hurt us. And and you know, I've been thinking a lot about how mismanaged hurt Mm -hmm. really really follows us if we don't let God deal with us, but yeah. how do we do that? How do we, how do we take that woman wound to the Lord?
1: Yeah, I love this question. It's, it was wild starting this book out because yeah, chapter one is called the woman wound. And I knew I needed to go there and talk about my relationship with my mom, which is beautifully restored, but I just had this realization as I was walking through healing that, um, there was wounding there from my mother because she's an imperfect right. woman. And hello, I'm a mother now to four kids. So I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have so much grace, right? I have so much grace for her now. And I know more of her story now and what she was walking through while she was raising us. And, and you know, I, I would... When we walked through a lot together as a little girl, I would say that I was my mom's emotional mother. Now she gave me permission to write about this. Um, and my mom even writes part of chapter one, which is really beautiful and redeeming too. And I just realized that she would lay things on me that were too heavy for me to fix or carry. I had no understanding. I was very em- you know empathetic, so I you know, I would absorb it. But fast forward to my relationships as an adult, and here's the part of ownership where we can start to realize that unhealed wounding that we're walking in is look at the cycles that you have in your mm. life. Those those cycles that keep coming up and go, why is that there? And for me, what I realized is as I fast forward into my adult relationships with women, that I was walking in codependency—the codependency that I learned as a young little girl, and through my adolescence mm-hmm. and high school years, and even young adult years—to carry things for my mother that I was inept to fix or carry, and so that a lot of times would end up being this weird cycle I'd have in friendships where I wanted to be needed but i also had need and then i would carry all their stuff for them and then when i wasn't the messiah it would all fall apart
0: <laughs> oh my goodness isn't that true and i think especially in ministry you know mm-hmm. being a pastor's wife being a, you're you're a pastor we want so badly to help people and mm-hmm. we really i mean there are, there have been times in my life where i have such faith for that person i just yeah. know that jesus is going to heal them mm-hmm. and and i can see it and i can even sometimes feel like I can see how to get them there. Yeah. But in taking that on, ooh, that Messiah complex, we can actually, I think sometimes i found
1: I can get in God's way
0: of, of really
1: doing His work. Well, you're right. Because I think what's one of the major factors for us to walk in healing with Jesus is almost to face it, to take ownership, right? To go, oh, that is my pain. That is a cycle that I'm walking in. And Jesus, you are the healer. It's that acknowledgement. And so if we are stopping other people from acknowledging things and owning them with Jesus, then they're going to let us just take it for them. So you're right. And that that was just one thing, but I think a huge thing that I talk about in the first half of the book is facing yourself. So the book is like broken down into two sections. The first part is facing yourself. And then the second part is about uncomplicating all the things, like all the parts of relationships, but really we're trying to walk as whole and in the way, truth, and life of Jesus as well as we can on this fallen earth. And so we've got to just take ownership of that so that when we come to the table in any relationship— friendship included, we are as whole as we possibly can be. And, um, and so that's like, that's the major thing that I would just say to people, pay attention to the cycles that, that, that seem like, wow, why is this not breaking? Why is there no breakthrough? And just be self-aware because otherwise you're going to be, like I said, looking at other people to meet things meet needs in you that they maybe can't meet and if if you become this person who wants a mind reader as a friend it's a really dangerous zone because unspoken expectations i think break the back of many a relationship
0: mm. ooh that's so good mm. well this just spurs so many thoughts just even <laughs> in looking at my life i went through a period of time many years ago where the dissolving of friendships God actually used the, it was like the, he allowed the removal of approval to reveal this massive fault line in my soul. Wow. And all I could see was what was wrong with those people and Mm -hmm. why were they, why were they accusing me of things that I hadn't done? (laughs) And It wasn't until I did exactly what you said, let God turn the spotlight on me yeah that that there was any healing and i think so many times we miss those moments of breakthrough mm-hmm. because all we can see is the hurt and we never get wow. to that place of saying god what about me
1: the, so you, what were the words you said the removal of the need for approval oh yeah gosh isn't that all of us at some extent i mean of course too because that's our deep desire is to be approved and loved and seen and so then when we don't get that from somebody else that's a Broken person. Right. (laughs) It hurts so bad. Wow. But how powerful to recognize that and then go to the one that has approved of you and loves you to heal that. That's beautiful. Wow. Well, don't you think? I I just
0: am in awe of God's goodness. And yet it can be so easily misinterpreted Mm -hmm. that He allows the absolute dismantling of our lives at times. Mm -hmm. To do a deep, deep work in us. Yeah. but boy, we gotta understand, like you said, looking for those patterns, you know mm-hmm. and, and going, okay, why does this keep coming up? I had I had a, a life coach ask me this question because I was I was seeing some patterns and mm-hmm. um, some people in ministry close to me or, or involved in, in some ministry things. I just kept dropping the ball. and mm. she asked this question she said, Joanna, what is it about you? That attracts people who will disappoint you. <laughs> oh, you said,
1: excuse me.
0: <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. But I had to really go, okay, what is that? And I think honestly, just I love that you've dedicated the first half of the book
1: mm-hmm. to us. Because
0: other because otherwise we believe the lie that it's really up to them that if they would be together, we could be together. If they yeah. would treat us
1: right, then we could be all right. What's the big things that God revealed to you? Oh my gosh. Well, I think for me, there was a couple of things. Um, and the first was obviously those codependencies that need to be loved and seen. In in a way, it's kind of what you just said. For me, I, I mean I didn't write it in there, but you kind of said it was the need to of approval. It was like this hit almost of someone telling me how great I was this need to be needed, this need to be seen. And I'm like, Oh, that's so gross, but also was so obvious. And I think, again, we all have to look at our own lives. And I go, I think that was because anytime I would go to my mother for a need for her as a mother, I became her mother. Mm. So then I just so desperately needed that from someone. But what I had to realize was, wow, no, nobody else can do that. Like my mom and Again, my mom and I have this beautiful reconciled relationship, but it's completely imperfect still. We're working on it. Um, and so I had to heal, walk in healing with Jesus in that. I think, um, gosh, some of the other things that I really realized about myself was this desire to self-preserve. And I think that, I mean, that's in the fallen nature. If we're not careful, we will, we will choose self-preservation, which is very painful. Actually, it's very lonely and isolating, Uh but we'll choose the pain of self-preservation over the potential of messy, godly connection. Wow. And I realized that I was like stellar at self-preserving. And I could walk in a room and I could smile. I could make sure people thought that I was being present, but really I was protecting all the things. And so I think us being aware of our um, desire. And for me, I had to be aware of that, of my desire to take care of myself because what's the, what's the end goal in life? It's, it's not to be all about ourselves. Like that, that's why the first half is about yes, Take care, uh, walk in healing, be self-aware. But then, I mean, the last chapter in the book is becoming spiritual midwives. It's about birthing the dreams of other people um, so that we can walk arm in arm and fulfill the great commission together. Mm -hmm. But we can't do that if we're constantly thinking about ourselves and navel gazing and you know what I mean? So it's like a very large tension that we walk in of being self-aware, walking in healing so that, and it's a constant process through life. Hello. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh isn't but you know
0: I, what I always find so encouraging is is that God isn't as disappointed in me as I am. <laughs> it's and, you're right. right and that he uses those broken places and those needy places where I feel such a mess. if we'll mm-hmm. give him access there those can become some of our points of greatest ministry.
1: Yes yeah that has been, oh my gosh. That's my story right there is I think those places where we self protect so well, uh, those places where we are trying to do it ourselves. And I, uh, gosh, in a counseling session that I was in, one of the most amazing progressions that I saw, you know, when you have those moments that are illuminated to you, such revelation, And it's so simple, but I would love to share it with the listeners if that's okay. Yes, please do. Please do. Because this would be an amazing tool that you could um, use if you're taking, if you're in a place where you could write this down, write it down or rewind and listen later. But what was so amazing is they walked through this progression that you can sit before God and write this out, journal it down um, and you can walk in healing. But it was this progression where it said, we all have wounding. So Uh, when we are wounded, whether that's as a child or as an adult or yesterday or on your way to listen to this podcast, what ends up happening is after we're wounded, the enemy loves to come in with a lie and lie to us. And oftentimes, I mean, Jesus is there willing to tell us the truth too, but the enemy loves to come in at the moment of wounding to lie to us. And if we attach to the lie... That's where a false belief system is created. And after we have this false belief system, that's where we start to build the strongholds of self-protection around us, whether that's with anger, control, manipulation, isolation. I mean, you, na- you, you name it. We all know what our vice is to protect them from behind that stronghold, if you will, where Jesus our, our God is meant to be our stronghold, our strong tower, but we protect ourselves. And back there behind our little or stronghold, we begin to make vows, vows like, I'll never trust another woman again. I'll never trust the church again. I'll never, I'll never. And then we start living from this false self. But the truth is, is Holy Spirit can unwind that at any moment. If we just sit in the presence of God and go, okay, what is the lie that I'm believing about that wound? And Mm -hmm. God, can you, can you tell me the truth? What's the truth and what's the false belief system that I'm operating from God, can you give me a true belief system? And what strongholds have I been, what have I been protecting myself with? And then we repent. I repent of my anger. I repent. And then what vows have I said? Renounce the vows. I Mm -hmm. renounce the vow that fill in the blank. And then we'll find that we're starting to live uh, in our God-given identity, but it's work. And we have to do it on a daily basis, (laughs) you know, depending upon where we're at. So um, yeah, it's just that, like you said, the dismantling of those lies and letting the Holy Spirit in. I just love that you said that because that's like the key to continually walking in healing.
0: Well, it really is. And I think sometimes we're so afraid to go there. We Mm -hmm. think it's going to be too painful. But the reality is allowing those lies and inner vows to stay there, they just become self-fulfilling prophecies. (laughs) They do. They actually do. I mean, it's just... People line up to hurt us because we yeah. expect that they're going to hurt us. Oh, mm. yeah. Dang.
1: Sit with that for a minute. I'm like,
0: <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. So, so saying, okay, God, wait a minute. I love that you bring up, look for the cycles. Look for those mm-hmm. patterns that are happening over and over. I, the Lord gave me this phrase many years ago. Same snare, different scenario. Wow. It's the same thing. It's awakening the same feeling. It's a different situation, but it's the same same thing that's being awakened in us. And so mm-hmm. rather than falling for the bait of Satan, which is offense, and to just harden down into unforgiveness mm-hmm. going, okay, Lord, there's something here. There's something here. I love that you gave us those, just those steps to get to that mm-hmm. freedom because I don't think we understand the power of the inner, inner life, you know, and you know, because otherwise it's all about people. It's all about the bad things that are happening to us. Self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Well, and I think, I don't know how long ago it was, but I feel like it was early on in my following of Jesus that I had this major revelation. And I know we read this, we know this, but I'm going to stand before God one day, like breathe my last breath, stand before the living God. And I don't, think it's gonna fly if I stand there and go, well, it was their fault that I was offended. It was their fault that I'm like this. It is their fault that I choose. It's like there's no ownership Mm. of our lives. And I feel like when I was very young, the Holy Spirit goes, Yeah, but I gave you you, your heart to steward.
0: Mm. Nobody
1: else can do that work for us. But I agree with you that I don't think we understand like how deeply important the inner life is because it is the one thing that sustains us through every season. And so Amen. I'm with you. <laughs> and we're not alone. That's the thing I love. Mm-hmm. God's not like, okay, mm-hmm. get it
0: together. He's like, here's I'm, by my Holy Spirit, I'm going to reveal so I can heal. W- will you give me access to that place? That's so good. And then he comes. You know, one of the things you talk about is just kind of navigating broken relationships. Mm-hmm. And because, I, you know... There's this fine balance in that we can't make everybody happy, and yet we're called to live at peace with all people. Yeah. So, so how any any suggestions? How do we navigate when we know there's an offense? You know, I mean, Scripture's full. Like if you're at the altar praying, <laughs> and there you remember someone has something against you, yeah, go to them and be re- reconciled and restored. And yeah. it's like ooh, it makes it sound so easy. <laughs> Yeah, that's for someone else, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I think there's a few different things we can do when it and it depends on where the relationship's at. So if there's like brokenness in a relationship, if you know that there is there it's twofold for me is yes in as as much as it's up to us, live at peace with all men. So that means make peace, not keep the peace, make peace, which means sweeping things out from underneath the carpet and having a truth, truth and love conversation. I think one of the things we have to understand if we want to heal and navigate brokenness in a relationship, like say my friend Tanya that I talked about at the beginning of this, where we have restored our relationship, there came this this beautiful, difficult moment where we just hugged each other actually in a worship service. And we both apologized and said, sorry, but also knew that we needed to go out to a meal, have communion together basically, Mm -hmm. and, and really walk through some reconciliation, just begin the reconciliation journey. So that started with us, um, you know, asking for forgiveness for how we've hurt each other. And that's hard when you let yourself be vulnerable enough to allow somebody to speak to you, how you've hurt them. And for you to not make an excuse or say anything or say, well, I did that because like, just say, I'm so sorry. I hurt you. Will you forgive me? That takes a lot of humility and vulnerability, but if there's reciprocity in the relationship, if both parties are willing, you can do anything with God, And I think that that's where we started. And we really started with, here's what I'm willing and able to do. Here's what I'm willing and able to do to rebuild this relationship. And I would say to people too, that are listening where there has maybe been brokenness and maybe that relationship isn't safe to enter back into, because I know that that's where there's difficulty too, where, um, where it it just seems as though you may be the only one in the relationship that's owning up to their mistakes. If the other person is not taking any ownership over their mistakes or their life or how they've hurt you, that's not necessarily going to be the safest zone to step back into. But if it's up to you to try to walk in reconciliation or have a conversation or ask for forgiveness, go ahead and do that. If they're giving you the hand and saying, I don't want anything to do with you, then that's when you tenderly go before the Lord and you forgive them and release them over to him so that you don't become bitter and offended by the pain that may have been caused in that. So there's a many different avenue, avenues, as you know, like but just having discernment to know um, what is required of each relationship. But what's always required is that we choose to forgive. We don't feel like it ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so true, isn't it? So true. You know, it was kind of interesting. We we had scheduled uh, to record back at the beginning of September Mm -hmm. and, um, you, you had a conflict, so we weren't able to do it or I did. I don't remember how it was, (laughs) but, um, it was so interesting, Andy, because, uh, I had a dream. I had (gasps) a dream the night before. You're kidding me. No. And, um, and the Lord, when I woke up, you know, it was Mm -hmm. one of those dreams that wouldn't wouldn't go away Uh some, some, it was so weird. It was one of those weird dreams where it's like, what that does, yeah. in what world does that happen? But someone pointed out that they were offended because mm. I had treated someone else badly. Well, mm. um, I, I knew there was more to that story, but <laughs> when I woke up and I had been praying, Lord, I, I want, I want this relationship to be restored. I mm. had done what I could to own my part of it. But, um, but just didn't feel at that moment I was supposed to tr- really pursue it. And honestly, by nature, I'm, I'm like, everybody needs to be okay with me for me to be okay. <laughs> <Right? Aww. laughs> yeah. You know, it's that need yeah. of approval still. Mm-hmm. And so to be even willing to go, okay, I've done what I can, but she's still not okay with me, and that's got to yeah. be okay. But yet then the Lord, and I think this is what's so important, if we'll invite the Lord into the process, Yes. And say, Lord, uh, help me forgive, but also bring reconciliation and make me tender to your spirit. So I'm not rushing yeah. ahead of you, but I'm not lagging behind, not dragging mm-hmm. my feet. And so so that morning I woke up and I knew that the Lord was asking me to, do, to even go farther, mm. to once again say, I am so sorry. Please yeah. forgive me. Can we be reconciled? So... You know, there's a war going on because my flesh doesn't want to like have to do the right thing again. <laughs> you know,
1: <laughs> totally. <laughs> All that
0: junk that we tell ourselves, but I knew in my spirit this was God. God's going now. I'd been asking to show me and now he had. Mm-hmm. And so I called her. It was the most beautiful thing, Andy. She Aww. I said I I didn't know what I was going to say. I just had prayed that the Lord would help me and when she picked up the phone I said hi. I said So the Lord told me this morning that it's time for us to be reconciled. Wow. She said, well, just this morning, the Lord was talking to me about you as well.
1: Oh, my gosh. And I want to be reconciled. And it
0: was just so sweet.
1: Wow. That is so beautiful.
0: Isn't that just the timing of the Lord? You know, his heart is for reconciliation. You
1: know, he yeah. wants us
0: to walk in unity, especially when it comes to to brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. But I, I just thought it was so sweet that his timing was so perfect. And if we'll just be tender to his voice. And so I thought it was so because when I realized that I was having that interview with you, I'm like, Oh God, you are so funny, you know.
1: That is so funny that instead of the interview, you had reconciliation and a friendship. That's beautiful actually. And I love that you had a dream. I'm a dreamer, so I totally love it. I mean, sometimes it's too much pizza, but you know, (laughs) but when God sometimes just whispers to our hearts while we speak is just so, so kind, Mm -hmm. you know, in the night hour when, when, when we're not even looking for it. So that's beautiful. <laughs> well, it, w- it was kind of
0: sweet. I thought I'd have to share it with you. You know, you were talking in the book about um, just the circles of friendship. And I think this mm-hmm. is important because I feel like so many times, especially as women, it's like, I need you to be my very bestie, bestie friend. Mm-hmm. And we can't always be that for each other. How do, how do we navigate the circles of friendship?
1: This was so important for me too. So, as a recovering codependent, <laughs> you know, I just realized I had this tendency to want to be accessible to everybody. I, I didn't and I did. Does that make sense? Sure. So, I think it's kind of one of those things where um, it, it was like this tendency that I had. So, I, as I began to read the Gospels and I saw how Jesus did relationship, I went, oh my gosh, even Jesus was not best friends with everyone. He had he had circles. And so yeah. he had his 3, he had his 12. So his 3 that he was intimate with, he they sh- he shared the most vulnerable of spaces and times with them. He had the 12 that he was on mission with, he had the 72 that he sent out, he had the multitudes that he rubbed shoulders with and was around and I started to realize, "Oh my gosh. God, like Who are the people that are in my world? And yes, it may be more than three or less than three. Like I understand there's nuance to this in our day and age, but being aware of our circles can be a really freeing thing. So you realize who you get to give those vulnerable parts of your life to. One of my closest friends, Irene Rollins says this all the time. She says, be authentic with the many and vulnerable with the few. Mm -hmm. So yes, be your true self wherever you show up. Yeah, But not everybody gets to have the secret places and spaces of your heart. So even as Jesus went up on to the Mount of Transfiguration, that was an intimate moment where he showed himself to be the true Messiah and said, but don't tell anybody until after I'm resurrected, like until after the crucifixion. And then you see that he took the three as well into raise Jairus's daughter from the dead. Okay. If I was one of the other nine disciples, I would have been highly offended in that moment. Like, me why too. don't I get to come in or the Mount of Transfiguration? I was like, why does he keep taking these three? Why are they the most important? And and then I realized too, even like, on, you know, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, who does he bring with him? He says, watch and pray with me when he is sweating blood and crying out to God. I mean, they totally fell asleep on him, but still like they're the people that he wanted near them. And I think what I realized is... I had to, again, stop looking for approval from other people and really kind of define the lines of different relationships for me and realize that not everybody gets to have my heart. Not everybody gets to have the most vulnerable spaces um, of my life. And so I think it's really important that we start to look at that and not to be exclusive or anything like that, but to realize like, I just, I'm going to spread myself too thin and I'm going to pass out. And I'm not going to have the best to give to my family or my husband or, you know what I mean? If I am not being clear on how much I can actually give in this day and age to my friendships and who gets what in my relationships as well. So, I mean, it goes a lot deeper than that, but that sure. that's kind of the gist of it. Mm-hmm. That is so good. That is so good. And I think on the other side,
0: you brought it up a little bit, not being offended when mm-hmm. we're not the inner circle. And yeah to be faithful that I get to be an acquaintance, you know, and that I can, I, I can be there and I can love and support. But I think so many times we go into friendships with so many expectations and totally, and, and it's almost like we put too much weight on relationships that, and sometimes I think some of that weight, even within our marriages, it's really, I'm asking my husband to be something that only Jesus can be. And um, Yeah. One hundred percent. I'd like to just kind of drill on something because you talked about vulnerability and transparency and we're mm-hmm. living in this super vulnerable, I'm going to be transparent age Ugh, where it's yeah. almost like we're just emotionally vomiting <laughs> on each yeah. other. And it's I kind of feel sometimes we're not even really looking for help. We no. we just want to be heard. And yet true friendship, the Bible says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. And of course, yeah. we don't want to just go to everyone in the world, come on, bring it on. But I wonder if sometimes we've misinterpreted what vulnerability and transparency is really for. Could you kind of help us discern?
1: Yeah, I. it's very interesting to me. It's a very interesting phenomenon to watch how we have gotten to such an interesting place where we feel safe to, yeah, to publicly display the most vulnerable parts of our lives and process things with people that actually can't help us, but can only comment, comment on it. And I think, I think for me, like that's where I just realized, yes, we, we have a whole generation alive today in, in and through every generation. I do feel a lot older now. I'm not going to lie. Um, especially having a a 16, 14, 13 and 10 year old. you know, just realizing how I look very old to my 16 year old, (laughs) but, um, but just realizing I do view things differently and growing up before the social media, you know, generation really came in. It's like, gosh, I would never want to share those things with everybody. It's just not their business. But I think that's where constant disappointment comes in. And until we learn, because, because honestly, people online cannot, cannot be there for you. Like, like somebody in the flesh can be. And I, and I think that, This is where we have to do things that are maybe a little bit uncomfortable um, for our generation. And especially, I mean, I know it's been different in every state. You're living in Montana. I'm in New York City. And, you know, the last couple of years have been a wild ride that have almost given us this Uh, permission to hide behind our phones even more, to be Mm -hmm. isolated even more. So we're in a stage now where social anxiety, fear of actually connecting with other people is a barrier that we're going to have to break one step at a time, one day at a time to maybe do things that would be uncomfortable for us. But also I think what we don't understand is it takes a long time to build a rapport with someone that we can be vulnerable with that can be safe Mm -hmm. and we want things quicker. And that's where I think, again, disappointment comes in because quickly we dive in quickly. We share all these things and then maybe quickly that person is gone and there's disappointment. So slow and steady does win the race. Slow and steady of doing the same thing over time really does build something really beautiful. And so I feel like, I'm not sure if I really answered your question, but, um, good. I don't know. I think it's just something we have to be aware of because it's just, it's not, it's not helpful to share very vulnerably and transparently on social media. Just find somebody, get into community, do something where you can build something that's lasting in human person. And I really do believe it'll change people's lives. Technology is not going away. I'm not saying to ignore it, but I'm just saying we're going to have to build the both and. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I think. I think we have to be careful, especially as women. I mean, we always want to have that touch point of compassion and mm-hmm. you know, and and validating each other's pain. But I think we gotta be sure that we're we're using the word of God to encourage mm-hmm. one another and not yeah. just, yeah, boy, he really is a jerk. I can't believe how he treats you. <laughs> but actually yeah. like offering scriptural help and, yeah. and scriptural wisdom, not just not just commiseration. Not
1: job's friends, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right, not not saying it's your fault, but not saying it's all his fault either, but like mm-hmm. like actually have I guess where I'm kind of trying to get to is and and it's hard because I think I think because we're living in, in such a different world that to speak the truth to one another in love isn't always welcomed, it's a lost art, yeah, yeah, and and I think if especially you know the Bible says. Don't forsake gathering together, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I mm-hmm. think, um, you know, no giving scriptural wisdom, loving one another well, but not being afraid to say, you know, what do you think God says about that? Mm-hmm. You know, and you talk about that circle of three, that inner circle, mm-hmm. and those people that have have earned the right to speak yeah. truth to your life. How do we do that in a gracious way that is life-giving and isn't judgmental and doesn't bring condemnation, but actually like brings life to the soul?
1: I think that's so important. I think one of the biggest th- hurdles for me, because I here's one thing that I realized about myself, is I don't have a fear of rejection with someone that I believe is not going to leave me. So I don't, like with my husband or my children, I know that sounds funny, but I'll have hard conversations with them because I know they're not going to get out, walk out and leave. Um, But when it comes to friends or people in my life where I do need to have a truth and love conversation, there's a genuine fear that comes into my heart that they could reject this. They could reject me. They could leave. They could be offended. They could walk away. And so what I have had to practice and do is just really remind myself, they love me and I really do love them. And because I love them, I want to have this hard conversation and I want to bring the truth and it is not up to me whether they receive that truth in love or not.
0: Mm -hmm. That's good.
1: But that is still very difficult to live out, Mm -hmm. but we have to get good at knowing what is ours. And what is theirs Yeah, and not trying to carry and fix issues for somebody else if they're unwilling to own it and do it. And so I think that for me is like, if I have to have a difficult conversation, I just always remind myself, I deeply love this person. So therefore I want to bring the truth and I would hope the same. And even just recently, I had a friend do that very dear, dear friend of mine. And I had hurt her and unknowingly did. And she very quickly, it wasn't days later, it was minutes later, said, Hey, I just need you to know that really hurt me. And, and I love you. And I know it wasn't your intent, but this is how it made me feel. That was so hard. But also I was so grateful yes. that she didn't sit on that for mm-hmm. weeks or months on end and let it fester. Instead, it was quickly uncovered and healed and we're fine. Praise God. Mm-hmm. That I, I think that that's, That's the
0: thing that I think almost like God's wanting to say to his girls, okay, it's time to grow up and let's (laughs) not, let's stop playing, you know, sixth grade, you know, playground rules. Like, Mm -hmm. let's just love each other and give each other room. You know, I I know what I always appreciate is when someone comes to me with truth and gives me room to absorb and consider and Mm -hmm. take to the Lord and say, what's truth? What is not? Uh, try to get rid of the hurt so that I can receive what I need to hear, and yeah, take some maturity. And it's I'm the same way. I'm like, I just love you. You're awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Lord goes. I remember one time the Lord had some something. He goes, I want you to talk to them, and not everything we're supposed to talk to them about. Mm-hmm. Oswald Chambers says, he says, discernment's not given for fault finding, but for intercession. <gasps>
1: Oh, I want to write that
0: down. Isn't that powerful? Fault find discernment is never given for fault finding, but for intercession. And I might
1: be seeing it wrong. But you know what? If I just Google it, guess what? The, the whole right thing will come up.
0: We'll have it exactly right. <laughs> but it's so, it's so powerful. And so we got to guard our heart that we're not coming in the wrong spirit. But I think we also have to guard our hearts and not be offended Mm -hmm. that someone might see something that we need to see?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, isn't that what we want? I think the thing that I have learned too is that, um, yeah, of course, we don't want to have any faults in us. But the truth is, is how do we grow in maturity? Not in isolation. We grow in maturity in relationship with other people. I mean, I think that was – I knew that I had read before I got married that, you know, we represent the bride in Christ. But what does that mean when the two become one, like, oh my gosh, like that's a mess. Like you have to work out all of your issues. Uh, we're one now. And so I think about that in relationship within the church mm. is how do we become more like Christ? It's in the, the sandpaper of relationship. Yeah. It's in that like iron sharpening iron. Um It's in those moments where we wish we didn't have to have this conversation, but it causes us to grow. And I think that's, that's, it's beautiful and it's difficult. And I pray that we uprises a generation that gets so good at this, that brings true unity and beauty, not perfection to the body of Christ.
0: Right. I was just thinking as you were talking, you know, (laughs) If we ever go home and 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 we happen to look in the mirror and we got this big chunk of broccoli and we've been mm-hmm. with our friend all afternoon and they didn't tell us, like we're like, are you kidding me? What
1: kind of friend are you?
0: Right. Yeah. And yeah. yet, when they point out something that we maybe need to consider, we're all offended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's this true. has been so rich. This is so, so, so rich. Would yeah. you just pray over us as we close? Because I think we all want good friendships and I think we all want to be good friends, but we really totally. need the Lord's
1: help. Yeah, we really do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We do need you. And I think mm. that's the whole point. <laughs> mm-hmm. May we never forget that we need you, but yes. not just that we need you, that it is such a beautiful honor and privilege to be able to walk with you and work with you. And so, God, we thank you for that. And I pray for every heart that is listening, every ear that is listening, that they would lean into you, lean into your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that even as we begin to bring this episode to a close, that you would enlighten and whisper and illuminate things to every listener as to what you want to heal in them. Would you give them just the wisdom? And the heart to understand what you want to do where you want to bring reconciliation where you want them to grow the wounds where they have believed lies that have caused false Mm. beliefs that are affecting the trajectory of their lives lord would you be the one that brings breakthrough for them and so i just thank you that you're always working on our behalf that you are emmanuel you are god with us you, you are not far off you are present you are our ever present help in time of need and so we receive you into our lives and into all of our relationships. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much
0: for being with us, Andy. Thank you
1: for having me. It's been so nice chatting with you. You're so amazing. (laughs) Oh,
0: I feel the same way
1: about you. God bless you, my
0: friend. (laughs) Don't you love Andy's heart and the wisdom she shared? You know, this coming year, I'm really asking the Lord to help me take Andy's advice to choose the potential messiness of godly connection. Over the perceived safety of self preservation, or just believing the lie that I don't have time to develop new friends. I think we miss so many gifts because we don't take time to unwrap them. Friendships don't just happen, they have to be cultivated. So I hope you'll check out the show notes over at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash zero seven six and order Andy's book. Be sure to check out her Coffee with Andy podcast because She's truly a gift to the body of Christ. And if you know someone who'd enjoy this interview, did you know that you can text them a link or even share the episode on social media? And if you'd like to be notified when new episodes of The Living Room air, just follow or subscribe and it will automatically show up in your feed. Well, until next time, I hope that we'll not only cultivate relationships with people, but that we'll deepen our friendship with Jesus. Because that's how you and I are going to learn how to live and love and lead like Him. Not just in the coming new year, but for the rest of our lives.